How about another round of applause for Sean? Thank you, Sean. We appreciate that. I mean, I love having the full band, too, and all of our musicians. We love you, you guys, but it's nice to have just Sean up there by himself. Isn't that nice every once in a while? We appreciate that. So thank you, Sean. And thank you all for being here today. Uh, so glad to have you with us. Um, we are in part three of a four-part message series here, and you can find out a little bit of information um, about this series in the back of your bullets, and we're calling this series Our Story, and we're talking about church stuff. Wow, that's weird to talk about church in a church. Uh, we're talking about church stuff, uh, talking about um, what the church was always supposed to be, what it was I intended to be, um, why it exists, why Jesus created this thing, and then more specifically, we're taking a look at Hope Community Church and what we're all about here. And so for those of you who are newer to Hope Community Church, uh, this should give you some information about who we are and what our vision is about and, and what kind of people we are as a church. Um, I've shared this with you all before, but I, um, I'm a church kid. I was uh, taken to church when I was a kid. Uh, I know there's a lot of you in this room who have that same story to tell. You went to church as a kid because you had no choice, right? That's how it works when you're a kid. If your parents say you're going to church, you go to church. doesn't matter if you like it. doesn't matter if you hate it. It doesn't matter. You're a kid, and you're going. And so as a kid and even as a teenager, my entire understanding of church was based on experience, of course it was. It was based on experience. You know, I wasn't going back and trying to research, what is this thing church supposed to be? I wasn't reading the book of Acts. I wasn't reading the New Testament trying to learn, well, what is church intended for? What was it all? No, my entire understanding of church was based on experience. Isn't that true for you? I mean, that's just how it is. Um, did you ever have this happen to you when you were a kid or a teenager? Did you ever visit somebody else's church? You go to like a friend's church and they do different things, and it's like weird. <laughs> I remember I grew up in a, in a, uh, a Protestant church, and I remember going, the first time I went to a friend's church, it was Catholic, and it's like, what is going on here? This isn't church. This is weird. You sit down at different points. You stand up, and you say different things together. It smells a little bit different than the church that I'm used to. There's a guy wearing like a dress or a robe. What is this? This isn't church. Well, I thought that because my own experience told me that church was something else. Did you ever have that one? You go to somewhere else's church, like, this is weird. Well, it was no weirder than what we did at my church. I was just used to the weirdness of my church, right? I was used to the songs that we sang. And I remember the first time I brought a friend to our church, like, they just stood there, like, what is going on here? It was weird. But if you're used to doing something, if that's your experience, that's your understanding. Oh, I guess this is what church is. I guess this is what it's supposed to be. Now, um, <clears throat> It's amazing how long you can go as a, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, and not quite understand what church was supposed to be, what church was supposed to be about. Um, I first started to really research this uh, when I was on staff at the last church I was a part of, serving as a pastor. So somehow, <laughs> I had made it into that role. I had made it through Bible college. I had made it through some ministry jobs and never really tried to research, well, what was this thing always supposed to be? And so there's this difference between what we read in the Bible about church, what we read in the New Testament in church, what we read in, in the book of Acts about church, and what our church experience is all about. So here's something we need to be mindful of, okay, about, you know, 100% of the people in this room, all the people that you know, if they have some kind of understanding of church, it's based on experience. How many people do you know that have researched this, have looked at the, old, uh, looked at the New Testament, looked at the book of Acts, Okay. So I just think that's something we need to be aware of, we need to be sensitive about, so as we're interacting with people, and when we mention that word church, there's going to be something that springs to their mind based on their experience, right? And so for those of you, for people who grow up and, and you know, they've got parents and they don't go to church at all, they have that experience shaping their idea of what church is, right? 
It's like, okay, well, church is a thing that weird people do, and we don't do it because it's not worth doing. That shapes your experience. That, shapes your, that experience of not going to church shapes your understanding of what it is. If you grew up in a home and it's like, well, you go to church on special holidays, you go there on Easter, you go there on Christmas, and maybe a few other times a year, that's your experience. That's your understanding of church based on your experience. It's something you do every once in a while. If you grow up in a home and it's like, well, church is that thing that you do, you that place you go to as long as there's nothing else happening on Sunday morning, you go and do this thing. So that's your understanding of church based on experience. You see what I'm saying there? It's all based on, this is making any sense, it's based on experience. Rather than being based on research, rather than being based on reading, rather than being based on what it says in the Bible, we base our understanding of church on our experiences, right? And so then, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? If your experience with church is very reflective of what the New Testament says about church, is very reflective of the book of Acts and what the book of Acts says about what church was supposed to be, then it's great. Then you probably have a solid understanding of church. But what if, what if there's a gap? <laughs> what if your church experience doesn't line up with what we're told about church in the New Testament? There is a gap there. And so, so many of us, so many of us, you know, around America, so many of us right here in this community have a misunderstanding of church because we only understand church based on our experience of church. Is any of this making sense? <laughs> I feel like this made sense in the mirror at home, but is it making sense here? <laughs> One of those messages. <clears throat> well, let's take a look. Maybe this will clarify things a little bit. Let's take a look at this passage of Scripture that's in your bulletin here. This is from the book of Acts, okay? And so um, where we are in the Bible, this is the New Testament. Uh, Acts is the, the first book in the New Testament after the gospel. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, uh, those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are the historic biographies of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And so you find out about Jesus, you find out about his ministry, you find out about his work, and then you get to the book of Acts. And it's called Acts because it records the acts or actions of the early church, the acts or actions of the Holy Spirit of bringing this thing that we call church together. And so we read about what happens there. Now, let me give you a little bit of context about this before we get into um, Acts 2.42. So what had happened before this point is you had these original followers of Jesus, the disciples, sometimes called the apostles. They were there, and they had walked with Jesus. They had talked with Jesus. They had shared meals with Jesus, and now Jesus was physically gone. He had, he had already been crucified. He ascended into heaven, and he sets them out to do this thing, to, to be a part of this movement called the church. And so there's this holiday, it's a Jewish holiday called Pentecost, and so this is uh, less than two months after the crucifixion of Jesus, there's this holiday called Pentecost, so a bunch of Jews have gathered together in Jerusalem, and this supernatural, amazing thing happens where the Holy Spirit fills the disciples, and they can speak other languages, and they're speaking to people, and everybody who was gathered there in Jerusalem could hear the disciples speaking in their own native language, and what the disciples were sharing was the message of Jesus and all that he had done. The message of God's love. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. This is our, the Messiah that we were waiting for. And if you receive him, he can be your savior. He can give you eternal life. And so, so many people, just thousands of people heard this message and were like, whoa, oh, they were pierced to the heart is what the book of Acts is. They were pierced to their hearts because they realized that what the disciples were saying, it was true. And so... They say to Peter, who was preaching on these things, they say, what must we do? And they say, well, you need to repent. You need to change your way of life. You need to change your approach to life, and you need to be baptized, receive this gift of salvation. And that was the start of the first church in Jerusalem. Now, what happened after that point? We don't have all the details. Uh, we're led to believe that some of those people who had gathered, some of those Jewish people who had gathered there in Jerusalem, you know, some of them just went back to their homes and began to share with other people, hey, guess what, this Jesus, guess what he's done for us, guess how much, guess how much God loves us, and they told them the story of the gospel. But other people, it seems like they may have relocated, left their lives behind and moved to Jerusalem to be a part of this church thing. 
And so in Acts 2, we get a little bit of the, the details of what this church was like, what it was like. So this is a description of church, okay? Here it is. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Breaking of bread means um, observing this thing that we call the Lord's Supper or communion, but it also is a simple reference to just sharing meals together. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. This was a, a point in time where the Holy Spirit was at work in a really unique way, doing these signs, and people were being healed. And, you know, even beyond the supernatural things, I mean, just the fact of getting a group of people together to form this kind of community was miraculous in and of itself. And so people were in all of this kind of thing. All the believers, verse 44, were together. They were together. They weren't out there on their own, kind of doing their own thing. They were together. What else does it say? They were, they were together, and they, they had everything in common. They were selling property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Sharing all things in common. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together. All right, how many times have we got? We get it. We get it already, Acts. All right. Together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor. All the people, so even the people who were outside of this community, even the people who were outside of the church, they had favor with the people who were unchurched and dechurched and weren't, weren't a part of that movement. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So that's, that's the description we have of church in the New Testament. This is what we have here. This is the ideal. This is what church was supposed to be, an authentic community an authentic community of people gathering together, taking care of one another, spending time together, together, together. People were willing to sell their property to help other people who were in need. They weren't forced to by law. Nobody said, you have to. No. Out of the love in their hearts, they were sharing, making sure their needs were met. They were spending time together. That's, that's church. How does that compare to your experience with church? Is that about the same? That's about the same. About the same. Or is it vastly different? <laughs> now, there are two you know, main responses, two basic responses that we, we Christians have when we come up against this passage in the book of Acts here. We read about what church was supposed to be. We read about this ideal. And some of us, as we're reading this, we say, wow, this is awesome. A real community of people, really in each other's lives, really doing life together. I know that's not a great English sentence, but you know what I mean? Really involved and, and sharing with one another and taking care of one another, and there were no needs, and they didn't have to look outside of their own community to, to have their needs met. Wow, that's awesome. That's one of the ways that we can respond to this passage. And then there's another way we can respond to that. Ooh, that's what church is? That seems like a bit much. <laughs> that's a little bit overwhelming. That's a lot. I mean, you're talking about being in each other's lives. What about privacy? What about boundaries? What about personal space? And, I mean, did you ever spend a significant amount of time with other people? Oh, my goodness gracious. Other people, am I right? Having to deal with their messes all the time? I mean, think about the practical nature of that and their attitudes and their good days. and their, Whoa, this is a bit much. This whole church, Acts 2 church, that's overwhelming. I'll tell you the response that I first had when I began to study this passage and look at what the church is and study what the church is supposed to be about. My, my response was a mix of both. <laughs> 
It's like, wow, I see how awesome this could be. I see this, this could be a wonderful thing and a beneficial thing, and I can see why Jesus created this thing, and it's good for us to take care of one another. I see that, but it's also really overwhelming because it's so vastly different from what I've experienced as church. Now, some people in different cultures, different parts of the world, different countries, they read this passage, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's how life is. You share in life together, you help one another out, and that's what life is all about. But for some reason, for us modern-day Americans, this, this is difficult. I mean, part of this whole thing, part of what's wrapped up in the American dream is this concept of autonomy. I want to be self-sustaining. I want to pull myself up by my bootstraps and make enough money and not be relying on anybody. I mean, that's part of this whole goal. And, that, and by the way, I'm not anti-American. I'm very, very glad that I live in this country. Very, very blessed. Thank you, God, that I'm here. But that's part of this idea is independence. I can do this on my own. And so for those of us who are part of this culture, we read about it like church like this, and we say, I don't know about that. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. We don't have the apostles, but we do have the books that they wrote, so we've got the Bible. Okay, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. They're spending all, all this time with one another. This seems overwhelming, and so what we do as Christians in America, what we do as modern American Christians is we say, let's scale this back a bit. <laughs> this whole everyday thing and being in each other's lives and being in each other's homes, why don't we just like meet once a week. How's that sound? <laughs> For like an hour. No, 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 no. You know, we don't have all kinds of time and people got lives, we've got stuff to do. Why don't we just scale this back to meeting you know, once a week? Well, hang on, we can't do that. We've got to meet together. Okay, well, well, we'll add some like Bible studies type things on top of that. You know what I mean? We'll do some small groups on top of that or a Bible study type thing on top of that. For people who, you know, for people who don't have anything else going on in their lives, we've got to give them something to do, right? And so we'll create some Bible studies, we'll create some small groups, and like, you know, maybe retired people or people who, you know, don't have any friends can do those type of things. But for the rest of us, you know, those radicals can do the Bible studies, you know what I mean? Those like, you know, fanatics, those Christian fanatics, they can do that stuff. But the rest of us, we'll just kind of meet up for an hour on Sunday. Sound good? And so we've taken the concept of church and we've just said, this is overwhelming, it's too much. Maybe it's great in theory, maybe it's a wonderful thing that Jesus has created for us, but it's a lot, so let's scale this back. And so I don't know how this process started happening. I don't think all the Christians around America had a meeting and said, well, let's scale this. It didn't happen like that. Just over time, we began to take this, this big thing of church and make it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And it gets to the point where it's so small that people start looking at it and say, is this even worth doing? Is this even worth being a part of? I mean, my experience going to church was, you know, growing up as a kid was probably a lot like your experience. I had some positive experience. I had some negative experiences, right? And that's just what it is. But it was so small. It was just the thing you did on Sunday morning. And so when I got to be a teenager, when I got to be, you know, 18 or into my early 20s, I made a decision, well, it's so small that it's really not even worth doing. So I just threw it away. <laughs> and I was still a Christian. I said, you know, I'm still, I still believe all this stuff. I still believe in Jesus, I still believe that I'm saved, and I still believe in, in His grace, and I still believe that I'm a Christian, I'm still a follower of Jesus, but this whole church thing, what even is this? When we make something so small, it's like this isn't even worth doing anymore. You can probably tell that I've changed my mind about that, right? <laughs> I'm kind of involved in church now, right? And so, but that's the problem is we take it and we, it becomes so small, and so there are all these things. We've tried, we've taken this thing of church and we've made it small, and then you've got people... You know, like me during that phase of my life where I thought, well, I can do this thing. I don't need church. I can just be a Christian on my own. Well, not according to the Bible. You can't. That's not how it works. What we see here in the book of Acts is an authentic, I use this term because this is the term that's been bopping around for the past, I don't know, 10, 15, an authentic community of people. 
and off really in each other's lives. And so we've made it something smaller so people think, well, you know what, I can be a Christian and I don't really need to be connected to a church and a group of people because, I mean, they're kind of weird at church. You know church people, they're kind of weird. And so it's like, I don't really want to be in their lives. I'm just going to remove myself from that. Besides, like, I go and I listen to a pastor preaching. I don't even think he knows what he's talking about. I'm just going to stay home, be a Christian, listen to some good preachers on podcasts because there's this thing called the internet now. And if you heard of the internet, we can just stay at home and be fed, spiritually fed. So I'm just going to do that. And if I want to listen to Christian music, I'll put on a Christian radio station. I can do this on my own. Well, it doesn't work for a few reasons. Let me tell you my personal story, okay? And so I decided I was going to do that, and at the time I was um, at, a, at, a, at a college, and I was studying acting, and there's something about the world of acting, and, the, and I, you know, all due respect, something about that whole world of theater. Here we are at a theater. Whole world of acting and all that. It's very different from the world of church. There's a big divide there, okay? And so here I was, the only Christian person. I'm going to be the lone Christian. I'm going to be, and I was submerged or immersed in a very different culture. Culture of people who had different values, didn't have Christian values and all that. And all it took was less than two years. (laughs) All it took was less than two years, and there was nothing about my life that looked remotely Christian. If you looked at the way I was talking to people, the way that I spent money, the way that I handled my relationships, nothing about it looked like a follower of Jesus because I didn't have community. And so, so many of us, we think, well, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be the lone Christian. I'm going to listen to my podcast. I'm going to study the Bible for myself. And man, whew, I'll tell you what, you know, one of the, <laughs> I'm so grateful that I got to go to a Bible college, right, for my, for my undergrad and all that before I went to seminary. But coming out of that Bible college, man, I was Mr. Critical, walk into a church. All right, pastor, see what you can teach me. I've studied this thing. I got my degree. You know what I mean? And so one of the things that going to Bible college made me really good at was just critiquing, ah, it's not, I'm not going here. You're not good enough. And so, but that's the thing that can happen. It's like, wait a minute, what about, what about community? And so I know, and maybe you know people like this too who think they can kind of like be disconnected from a church. I'm going to be a Christian on my own. Well, what happens? What happens when you get sick? What happens when tragedy befalls you? What happens when life hits the fan, if I could put it that way? You got a loved one who's ill, or you end up in a divorce, or you end up going through a tough time, or somebody's sick. Like, what happens then? Who do you turn to? Who do you turn to then? If you're not a part of a community, a community whose relationships are all centered on Jesus Christ, all founded in Jesus, if you're not a part of that community, what do you do? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know what you do in that time. And so, and I know people who have, who have, have fallen on these situations where it's like they're doing this independent thing, they're not connected to a church, and then hardship happens, life happens, death happens, sickness happens, cancer happens, whatever it is, and they've got nothing, and they go looking for something. In fact, one of the, the most difficult parts about my job is, you know, we try to, we want to serve other people, we want to serve our neighbors, and so I get these phone calls or I get these emails where people need help. Hey, I'm sick and I need rides to the hospital. Hey, uh, you know, I, I need a babysitter, but I don't know anybody. It's like, okay, I'd love if we could meet that need, but the real need in your life is community. That's what you need. And I can't give you community if you don't want it. <laughs> you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense? Like, that's the real need. Now, there are also some people who think, you know, as far as church goes, we have these different, like I said, different understandings of church based on our experiences. So we have like the lone ranger Christians who think they can do it on their own. Then we also have the church boppers. You know about church boppers? Not quite church, church shoppers. Church shoppers, they're like saying, oh, I'm trying to find out where I connect. I'm trying to find out where I belong. And that makes sense. That's a church boppers just bop from church to church to church to church to church. I'm going to go here this Sunday. I'm going to go there next Sunday. I'm going to bop, 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 bop. I, just, I made that up, by the way, church. That's not a real thing, church boppers. 
doing the church bop, whatever. They can bop around, that's fine. And listen, that's fine for a time. That's fine for a time. But eventually, you're going to need to sink in and be a part of a community. Because again, what happens when hardship enters into your life, when challenges come up, when somebody gets sick, what, what do you do then? I've been bopping around, but I'm not really connected anywhere. It's tough to get connected, to be authentic, to be in community. It's tough to build community with one another, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And it's not just about, like, if you're doing the thing on your own, if you're doing the Lone Ranger thing, if you're doing the church bop thing. It's not just about, like, what happens if you need help. Well, where are you serving others if you're not connected to a local church? Well, I'm going to serve in my own way. How? I'm not saying that you can't serve independently. I'm not saying that you can't bless other people as an individual. But isn't it better to do it as a part of a collective? (laughs) Isn't it? And so here we are. We have this idea of church and what it means to be the church and all this. Um, A couple weeks ago, at small group, we looked at this passage of Scripture, and uh, I asked the question, what can we do? What can Hope Community Church do to look more like this? <laughs> to look more like this? And maybe it seemed like I was, looking for some, like I was fishing for positive feedback because the people were like, oh, no, we're doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it. I think that's one of the hard parts of like having the pastor run these. Maybe we need to rethink that. Maybe someone other than me needs to lead these meetings. But the reason I was asking the question wasn't like just like in theory, hey, let's have some discussion. I'm looking for answers. <laughs> what can we do to be more like this? What's nice, though, about you know, being four and a half years old as a church, what's nice, though, is I'm starting to see that this really is happening. We're finding ways to take care of one another, to provide meals for one another, to pray for people who are in need, to visit one another when we're sick or when we're in the hospital. It's, ha- we're, it's happening. It's starting to happen. And that's really encouraging, but we can do more. We can lean in. But I can't make you. <laughs> I can't make you desire this authentic community thing. It's tough, but it's worth it to be a part of a group, to be a a part of a collective. Last night, uh, we we had a a meeting at Bethlehem Church, uh, the Kenya team from this past year. We met together and we talked about our experience in Kenya. And it was kind of cool just to rehash some of those memories and to remember how awesome that trip was and how difficult it was, but how great it was. But the thing is about those two weeks in Kenya, that's the closest I've ever come to experiencing Acts 2 church, that kind of community. And so let me say this to you, okay? If you're thinking about doing this Kenya trip this summer, if for no other reason, (laughs) that's a big reason, just to experience that kind of real, authentic community. We're stuck together for two weeks, for better or worse. We cry together. We hear each other's horror stories about bathroom experiences together. We're praying together. We're devoted to the apostles' teachings, and we're serving together. And so every year, every year this happens to me while I'm over there. I say, how, God, how can I bring this back to Delco, baby? How can we do this? And I think we're getting closer to it. But some of this depends on you. Like I said, I can't force you to build community. Some of this depends on you. And so I'm, I'm going to encourage you to think about this. Listen, if you've had the Lone Ranger Christian mentality, I'm not, so have I. I get it. I get it. And so I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying I'm challenging you to think about this. Will you connect somewhere? What's the next step you can take? If you've been one of those church boppers, I've been a church bopper too, I get it. I'm not criticizing you, but think there's going to be a time where you need to sink in somewhere for your own sake. Be a part of something. Be a part of something that's bigger 
than yourself. Be a part of an authentic community. So what's the next thing that you need to do to take that step in building community? It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and intentionality to build community. Time and intentionality. What's the next thing you need to do? Maybe it's simple. Maybe the next step for you is to spend a few minutes after worship, head over to that back table, get yourself a cup of water, have a little snack, and just stand there and wait for a nice person to talk to you. It'll happen eventually. <laughs> just stand back there with your, what do we have? Cookie and your water and wait. There's enough nice people here. It will happen. Somebody nice will talk. Maybe it's just introducing yourself to somebody that you don't know. And that's one of the weird things about church. And I've, it's, it's so funny. It's like, you know, we try to start like a welcome ministry or a greeting ministry. It's like, well, I'm not sure who's new and who's not. Hey, listen, we're only four and a half years old, so relatively speaking, we're all pretty new. You know what I mean? If you don't know somebody, say, you know what? I think I've seen you, but what's your name? Oh, hey. Maybe that's, maybe that's your next step. Maybe that's the only thing you need to do. If you're church bopping, maybe you just need to really be a little bit more specific and think, okay, I've been bopping around. Where do I feel like God is calling me to connect? Maybe it's here. Maybe it's not. But it's got to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. Maybe that's the next step for you. Maybe the next step for you is to, you know, maybe show up on Sunday mornings a little bit early. Maybe come in at 10 o'clock. Maybe go downstairs and be a part of that prayer meeting that happens every Sunday morning. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life where you're like, I, I, you know what? I got to tell somebody what I'm dealing with. I got to get somebody praying for me here. Maybe that's it. Maybe, there, maybe nothing's going on. Maybe you're fine. Maybe you don't have any prayer requests, but just being a part of that meeting and praying for somebody else. Maybe that's the next step that you need to take. You know, there's things that we try to do as a church, and I feel like this is part of my responsibility as a pastor, as part of our responsibility as church leadership, is to create these times, these, these opportunities for you to build a little bit of community. But we can't do all the work for you. And so we have, like, you know, we've got the, the men's Bible study. We've, in the past, we've had women's Bible study. That'll happen again soon. We've got small group that happens on Tuesday night. Like I said, we have the prayer meetings. But you need to choose to do these things. You need to choose to be a part of them to actually get in each other's lives. And I know it's difficult. And the number one reason people get for why they're not, oh, I wish I could come to church every Sunday. I wish I could go to the men's Bible study. I wish I could be, go to the prayer meetings. I wish I could be more involved. It's just that I'm too, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Let's talk about that busy thing a little bit, shall we? First off, there's a difference between being busy and being productive, right? Difference between being busy there's a difference between just filling your schedule up with stuff and actually accomplishing something with your existence, right? Am I right? The difference between busy and productive. And the other thing is this. You know, like I mentioned earlier, we've just boiled the church down to something so small that it's easy to throw away. It's easy to get rid of. You know, when things are valuable to us, when things are important, we'll make the time. We'll find a way to do it, right? And so part of it is being able to see the value in attending a church regularly on a Sunday morning, in going to a small group when you can, in going to these men's breakfast and Bible studies, in doing these things. You need to see the value of that, right? And it's kind of like, and if you've been around Hope for a while, you've heard me say this before, it's kind of like going to the gym for your spirit, right? It's like going to the gym. If you go in a gym, if you do a workout routine, you do it that one time, are you going to experience much benefit from it? Oh, well, maybe you'll have more energy that day. <laughs> maybe a little tiny bit healthier. But there's a cumulative value to these things, Right? Those of you who have been a part of Hope for a while, has, was there like one Sunday that changed your life? Was there? Was there? Not really. Maybe, all right. Maybe you're the exception. But for the most part, there's a cumulative value to these things, just like lifting weights. You're not going to get the guns on week number one. You know what I mean? It takes time to build these. It takes time to build community. So when we value something, and I know people, do you know anybody, any, any maniacs like this who are up like before 5 a.m. to get their exercise in? Like, what is with those people? That's, but like, when it's valuable to you, when you see how important it is, you do it. 
And so I think it starts with being able to value community, see these experiences for what they are, see these an opportunity to build community, how important that is. So it starts with that. The other thing is this. We say that we're busy, but I think the biggest excuse that we have when it comes to these things is it's difficult. It's not about busy. It's about difficult. You know, if I were going to try to attend one church every Sunday morning for, I don't know, we'll say 48 Sundays over the course of the year, that's going to require me saying no to a lot of other opportunities. And that's difficult. It's not so much about busy, it's about difficult. Well, life is difficult. (laughs) Anything we're doing is difficult, right? And so to be able to say, okay, it might require me getting a babysitter, it might require me waking up a little bit early, it might require me changing my schedule, it might require me saying no to other things, but I value it, so I'm going to make the decision to do something difficult and connect with community. So think about that. So you as an individual, what's that next step that you need to take? What is it? It's gonna, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. Just think, what's the next thing? Maybe it's just, like I said, maybe it's just saying hi to somebody. Introducing yourself to somebody. It's like, I've seen your face. Introduce yourself. You know, from there, you can start pouring your guts out to somebody. All right, it takes time before you're at the place where you can pour your guts out to somebody, right? It takes time. It takes time. But what's the next? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen without intentionality. So what's the next step that you need to take? Look here what it says, Acts 2, verse 47. They're praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. How many people in your life think well of Christians and think well of the church? Yeah. Why don't we go out now, do a little survey, walk around this neighborhood. Hey, what do you think of Christian people? What do you think? Of, or, or do we have favor with the people in our community? Maybe a little bit. But how do you develop that favor? I think when people from outside the community, from outside the church, look in and see a group of people who are taking care of each other, wow, something changes there, right? Wouldn't you want that? If you were on the outside looking in and say, wow, look at how they're caring for one another and look at how you know, that person's sick and they're taking care of meals to that person and they're praying for each other, I want a part of that. And so that's how you develop favor with the community. And then it says that God, the Lord, did what only, does what only God can do. The Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Let's end with that word, saved, Okay. Now, we could talk about community, we could talk about being in each other's lives, we can talk about building relationships, but we need to remember, what's the point of all this? This isn't a club for the sake of having a club and let's all be buddies, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. There's something bigger that's happening here. People will long for what we have as an authentic community. Enter into that authentic community and learn the gospel, learn about God's love and actually become saved. That's, that's what we're working towards here. And it's starting to happen. So what's your next step? and building community with these strangers in this room. What's the next thing that you need to do? We keep working on this. We will continue to have influence in our community. We will continue to build that positive favor among our neighbors. Let's pray. Father God, help us. Help us be the church that that you want us to be. Uh, It's difficult. It's going to take time. It's going to take intentionality. But we we want to be real with each other. We want to be a real community. And so, Father, I'd ask that you'd speak to me and speak to each one of us. Show us what we need to do next. Show us that next step that we need to take to become the thing that you have created us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.